You are now entering Frida's world. Join us as we address various issues facing women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. Whose world is this? It's Frida's world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's World. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. And as always, I hope you guys are enjoying your week. So it's been a couple of weeks since you guys have heard me, and I apologize for that. However, those of you who are avid Frida listeners and followers know that we tend to take a couple of weeks off every summer just to rejuvenate and get back on track, particularly right before the fall. And now we are officially in fall. September 21st marks the first day of fall. So a lot of us are now in that grind mode. Our kids are back in school. Some of us are back in school. Our jobs have you know, picked up, especially um, with this corona stuff that was going on. That's still going on. A lot of us had very slow summers um, and now things are just going crazy. I would say literally overnight things just boomed out of nowhere. Um, Very exciting times. I always love busy season. It's always been, you know, my favorite season. I thrive uh, in busy. (laughs) I like chaos. Um, (laughs) Not everybody does, but for whatever reason, I work very well in chaotic moments. Um, But I'm happy that I'm back with you guys. You know, this this uh, next, I guess, era of Frida's World, this next season of Frida's World is going to be amazing. Today, we have an amazing guest by the name of Shani Farmer. She is the relationship enthusiast amongst many other things. She wears many other hats. So she is going to come on this show to talk a little bit about herself, what she does, and an amazing book she has recently co-authored with the HBCU experience entitled North Carolina A&T University uh, second edition, the HBCU experience. She's going to talk about, um, you know, her HBCU experience and she's going to talk about um, the book a little bit and, you know, when it's going to release and how you guys will be able to get your hands on it. I think with everything going on right now, with racial tensions being where it's at, it's important for us to um, embrace more of our of our black culture, and I think um, HBCUs for the longest time weren't really getting the recognition and the spotlight that they deserve. I have many friends who went to uh, HBCUs, graduated from them, and are doing amazing things in these streets. And so, um, although I did not go to an HBCU, I am more than happy to you know give. Um, give the spotlight or share, shine some light rather on these amazing institutions. And so you definitely want to keep it locked for that. Uh, The show is going to be a little long today because the conversation is just so robust. Um, I definitely want you guys to keep it locked as you all do. You guys are faithful listeners, but I just wanted to come on and just say that I did miss you guys. Thank you again for just, you know, sticking with Frida's world. Um, It's been I don't actually, you know what? It's been, uh, I think we hit our three year anniversary um, maybe two weeks ago. (laughs) So thank you so much. Thank you so much for rocking with us for three years. We're definitely going to try to do something to celebrate this three year mark in the next coming weeks. But I just wanted to thank you guys personally for just sticking with us, for being avid listeners. 
um, for being contributors um, to this platform. We would not have gotten this far without you. I mean, the average podcast doesn't even last a couple of months. So the fact that we've been here for three years definitely says a lot about the brand one, but it says a lot about you guys. So thank you so much um, for just being part of the Frida tribe. For those of you who've not done so already, please make sure that you head on over to our Instagram page at Frida's World, F-R-E-E-D-A-S underscore world. And be sure to follow us on Facebook. Like I said, we're in a new season now. There's a lot of goodies to come. So we definitely want you guys to be in tune, to be in the loop of everything that we're going to do. So make sure that you follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you have not done so already, subscribe to the podcast Frida's World is available everywhere you enjoy your podcast so that's Apple Podcasts SoundCloud Stitcher Spotify iHeartRadio I think we might even be on Amazon now we're on Google and so many other platforms so make sure that you subscribe rate and review and now we are on to the meat of the show all right everyone I'm here with my very special guest Shawnee Farmer Shawnee please say hello Hello, hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for just making the time. I know during uh, during this COVID time, I feel like we have a lot of time, but we don't have a lot of time, especially those of us who are entrepreneurs. We're always on the run. So I thank you for taking this moment to just have this conversation with me. You are very welcome. <laughs> I'm happy to be here with you. So, Shawnee, if you could just let us know a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Absolutely. So, again, hello. I am Shawnee Farmer. <clears throat> By day, I, am, am, I work for the intelligence community, and I work in a human resource department, and specifically with colleges and university students. So, um, that is very much so near and dear to my heart. And while later in the show, we'll discuss um, why I decided to join the HBCU experience. Um, by evening, my passion um, is being a relationship enthusiast. Uh, so that's where I spend a lot of my time. I have, I am married, a newlywed, uh, got married in 2017, and I am a mama to a fur baby. So <laughs> and what's the name of the fur baby? <laughs> joy. Joy Aww. is our fur baby. So um, she's our pride and joy for now. And, you know, we're in the space where we're definitely interested in having children. So we'll see what God has for the future for us. All right. All right. I love it when my guests talk about their fur children. I have a fur child as well. I mean, I have a, 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 a human child, but I, <laughs> my recent acquisition has been a fur child. So. And, yes. And it's so funny because I feel like the fur babies, they're like, they're going to start preparing you somewhat for that, that first child. There's so much that they mm -hmm. mimic with real children, with their sleeping habits and the responsibility that comes with it. I'm like, yeah, it's real. But yeah. <laughs> that's sure. nice. That's nice. So I, so you said, you know, by day you, you, you wear, you know, you wear one hat and then by evening weekends and all the other times in between you wear another hat as a, as the relationship enthusiast. And so you have a whole brand behind you there. And I would, I would be really interested in hearing more about what does, what does the relationship enthusiast do? Like, what is that? 
Yes. So I'm excited about that. Um, so I want to do this. I'm going to keep manifesting and putting this in the atmosphere as we all should when, you know, we have passions out there. I would love for this to transition um, into my full-time job, into my full-time passion. But as the relationship enthusiast, I am here to help women to become healed, healthy, and whole in each season of their relationship. And we reach this goal by focusing on the power of prayer um, um, and your ordained purpose and your divine right to be pursued. And when I say pursued, I do mean pursued by um, a pursuer, um, but I also Mm -hmm. mean pursuing when it comes to self, pursuing you. And Mm -hmm. I feel like all three aspects is a circle that matters in each stage of your intimate relationship. So whether you're single, you're in a gauge stage, or if you're married, all three of those will be important. You'll always need prayer. You always need someone to lean on and a higher power. Um, You're always going to be figuring out and developing and um, evolving in your purpose as you grow. And you're going to always want to be pursued and be the pursuer in each stage. So if you begin to cultivate that in your singleness and begin to set up great habits for yourself, um, I feel like the transition becomes a bit more easier in in each one of those stages. Uh, Something else I would like to add is with my, there's so many experts and coaches out there, even in the relationship realm. And what I find is that a lot of them um, externally focus on how to get a date. How do we quickly get a date? How to find a man? Mm-hmm. Um, how to find your next partner? Um, the 10 rules that you need to do to communicate with X, Y, Z. How to you know date online? And I think all of that is pertinent and important. But the unsexy part is the healing part that a lot of us don't take care of first. Mm-hmm. So that's why the power of the P is what I call it. Um, it's so important and relevant first. Make sure you're healed. Make sure you're a whole person before you make a decision to bring somebody in your space. And once my ladies are feeling that they're in a great space and they've been through this season with me, then I go into the space of um, teaching you how to, uh, the business of dating for marriage. Mm-hmm. Because uh, marriage comes with a lot of business principles. Dating comes with a lot of business principles. If you take some of the individual from uh, individuals from a lot of these companies and they want to rebrand, they want to grow, they want to do something different. It's very relational the way that they make it happen. They have to come up with new visions and mission statements and rebranding. They have to know their past performance. And I feel like relationships are the exact same way mm-hmm. and you should go into them um, with that, because it's easy to fall in love. It's easy to do the, the goo-goo goggly things mm-hmm. of relationships, the, the butterflies in your stomach. That's easy. But what about the real heart work that needs to come with it? Um, so I'm very passionate about that part of it. I heal first and then we start, you know, devising a plan of what it looks like for you to have your lifetime partner. I really like that because I think, like you said, um, I think a lot of us don't realize how easy it is to fall in love. I think that a lot of us think that we put so much work into that aspect, but that's not really where the real work (laughs) needs to happen. Yeah. (laughs) TV has ruined us forever. They have ruined us. Social media and TV has ruined us. That's the easy part. (laughs) Yeah. It's the, um, yeah, it's, it's the hard work that, that matters most is the things that we don't want to touch. Like I stated, it's the unsexy piece. It's the que- the questions you even haven't asked yourself mm-hmm. when, before you start dating someone, have you asked yourself, what, how did you date in the past? 
Yeah. What did that look like? You know, what traumas are you still holding on to? What maybe generational curses are you holding on to that may be stemming into your relationships and even causing you to attract a certain type of person that's really not that good for you? Like, mm-hmm. have you really talked about that? Do you have Jesus and a therapist? Yeah. Because <laughs> you need both. <laughs> you need both. You need both. Absolutely. <laughs> oh no, like those are just all important. Those are all important things to really consider. I think a lot of women don't have Jesus and a therapist when they are thinking about relationships and when they're you know entering relationships and things of that nature. So I'm really happy you said Jesus and a therapist. <laughs> yeah, you need both of them. <laughs> so I think what I would like to know, as somebody who is, you know, single and Black living in America, um, professional woman, I feel like, you know, I've done everything close to right. You know, there are a couple of things I'm sure I've done wrong. But, you know, when you think about how your parents tell you you need to go to school, you need to do this, you need to do that. And, you know, now you're at a point where I have all my degrees. I have, you know, my career, I'm seemingly put together and yet I'm having such a hard time, you know, finding a decent mate. Um, What do you, what do you find to be some of the obstacles that, you know, I would say particularly professional women of color face when it comes to dating? I know we've addressed the Jesus and the therapist part, which is probably at the top of the list, but what other obstacles do you tend to see as you're working with uh, these, you know, these women? It's such a loaded question. It's (laughs) not a linear one and a multifaceted Mm -hmm. question, but um, let's see if I can put this into a nice package. Um, But some of the things that I see that the ladies go through is because so many men have so many options out there and there are so many amazing, beautifully educated um, women that come with amazing packages. They become very discouraged because the men will come, but as quick as they come is as quick as they go. Mm-hmm. And like I stated, I think that because we haven't dealt with some of our past issues that have built up insecurities, um, that have built up trust issues. Um, that have, and, and we, we've come up with these lists. Sometimes we become very heartened by that mm-hmm. and we carry that into our dating space. Um, and it, it puts us in a place where we, we become disengaged quickly. And mm-hmm. again, I just want to take it back here. And I know I keep taking it back to the past, but so many of us, not all of us, but a lot of us have grown up in broken homes, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And you may have came, I know I come from a single parent home, but we come from single parent homes and you may have the mother who's saying things like, you know, you need to be independent. Don't lean on a man for anything. You don't need him for nothing. Make sure you have your degree. Make sure you boss up for yourself. Make sure you can take care of you. And then you have on the men's side, they're like, Sow your royal oats. Take your time. Don't rush it. So we're getting these head-butting opinions as we're growing up because we're getting them from broken parents. Mm -hmm. And we carry that same mindset into our dating. And by the time we hit about 25 and above and we're ready to look for a partner, this is the mindset that we still have. And we have to learn then at that point to undo it. Mm -hmm. So um, I think a lot of women still don't take the time to sit back to really understand 
what they want. They take the information that they've gotten from family members, from parents, from broken spaces, from TV, from social media, <clears throat> and, they, you, and they, they bring that all together to make their decision of the type of partner they want. Instead of sitting back to understand this, what, what's your vision? What's your vision and your mission when it comes to the type of relationship that you want? Have you even thought about even a SWOT analysis? And so your strengths, your weaknesses, the opportunities, the threats that are in front of you. Like it really it does become in the beginning somewhat of a strategic concept um, until that, be, that new way of thinking becomes normal for you because then that's you have to transition your mindset to think like that to think about what is my vision for my relationship and why should i have one why is having a vision for a relationship important because it helps you to acquire your new standards that's important to you it helps you to discern when you do meet someone if you should how long you should be keeping them around and how long you shouldn't and that's the other part a lot of women and men are becoming lonely so then we begin to compromise and we begin to get in a space where we just want a warm body next to us. And we're not thinking about the long-term effects and impacts that it's having on us. We become sexually active with these people and not realizing the soul ties that come and how difficult it becomes to think clear about, is this really husband material? So we hang on to these relationships and then we wonder when they end, why am I so broken again? Why did this hurt so bad? Because you didn't go in it with the right mindset. Um, so I think, I think I really, really, really believe Rita, that it all comes down to the transition of your mind and learning how to do dating differently and not doing it how we did it at 20, not how we did it at 23, 24, but understanding that it takes a different approach. And I also believe I, I genuinely do believe, like when I talked about the SWOT analysis, you need to understand your environment, you know, mm -hmm. your opportunities that's around you. Are there the type of men you're looking for? Are there a plethora of them around you? Are you open to online dating? Like, what are your opportunities to really be exposed? And again, I'm Christian based. So I know I hear people consistently throwing around, you know, when a man finds, I'm not looking, he's looking for me. But the word find actually means to discover. And how is he going to discover you if you're always sitting in the house, mm -hmm. if you're always at work, if you're not allowing yourself to be exposed in order to be found? Um, so, yeah, I find when I'm having these conversations, those are some of the commonalities. It's the the ghosting that happens mm -hmm. to a lot of people. It's the I'm lonely. It's the there's not enough men out here. Um, and it's the, um, I can't find anyone that is basically on my caliber level. Yes. But all of that comes with you not doing the hard work and you not doing what you need to do first in order to position yourself to be in that space and patience and the patience that come with it. And I know that's a hard one and it's easier said than done. I like how you put all that together. I know that I tend to ask loaded questions, but that's my oh, style. That's good. That's <laughs> I like to get it all out there. <laughs> and I'm happy I answered it. I was about to ask, so did I answer the question? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you definitely did. Like everything that you've mentioned with respect to, you know, the obstacles, that's exactly what I hear. I mean, I'm in many different chat groups with a variety of different types of women 
Um, I'm in a lot of different circles. And, you know, for the most part, a lot of these women are single. And it is the same conversation, regardless of what circle I dip in and dip out of. It's the same obstacles. It's the same challenges that I'm hearing over and over again. And I think that how you laid it out, I think is, I mean, it's reflective of what, you know, how women are feeling and what some of those obstacles are. Um, I definitely agree with you with respect to, you know, two things I noticed that we don't do. And that's something that I even had to kind of sit back and do some of that self-work myself is identifying what we actually truly want because we've been, we've been told what we needed to want, right? Mm -hmm. All these years, all our lives. So figuring out what do we truly, truly want. And then two, I think is a, a major thing that you said, making yourself available because I'm a Christian as well too. And I've always been told it's he who findeth, not she who findeth. <laughs> and I've, I even found myself saying that, listen, people, yes. it says he who findeth, not she who findeth. Uh-huh. I'm not thirsty. <laughs> I agree. It's in our subconscious. We can't help it. We really mm-hmm. cannot help it. And, I, and e- when I got into this space, trust me, I spoke the same way, but it's transitioned as I've grown, as I studied, as I've watched people, as I listened to other experts that I actually admire. And one thing I realized is that <clears throat> one, we're living in a completely different space than we were our grandmothers, grandmothers, grandmothers. Mm-hmm. We are. I'm not saying that the foundation should not be the same, but the, the way we go about it has to be different. They didn't have online dating. Women weren't working nine, eight hour days. Women weren't bossing up in the same manner. Like back then the men were finding them because they were the hunters and the women were at home. You know what I mean? Like it's a different concept. And sometimes with that comes a different, a different way to go about it. It's just like at church, we don't all, not every church is handled the same way as it Mm -hmm. was 15, 20, 25 years ago. The music has changed. What preachers are wearing are changing. A lot of this, as we become flexible, are online. Um, You know, it's different. So sometimes you have to change the approach, but it doesn't mean you change the foundation. So again, the word find, when you look it up, is to discover. Be discovered online. Make sure you have an amazing branding profile for them to find you, you know, and for Mm. you to be exposed. Make sure you understand your purpose, because when you understand your purpose, you can be aligned to a purposeful person. Meaning if you start going to events that identify with your purpose, community service um, events or conventions, whatever it may be. I don't care if you love basket weaving, go to basket weaving classes. How do you know you won't find anybody at that basket? <laughs> That's class? true. And you'll find, you know, if you're into horses, I love horseback riding. I'm going to start doing that. You might find someone there. Like stay open-minded. When you start aligning your purpose and you start getting yourself out there, trust me, the people that you're supposed to connect with are going to connect. And that's even including your partner. Mm-hmm. Like it, it can happen that way, but we have to open our minds a little bit more, you know, keep our, keep our foundation, keep your values and your morals intact, but be flexible in the way that it happens. I totally agree, agree with that as well too. I think flexibility is something that I think a lot of us lack. We're just, because we feel, I think that if we are flexible, we are somehow giving up some of ourselves. We are somehow settling 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're like at the point where well, we're not going to settle. We might as well, I'll be together. I'll be by myself for the rest of my life if that's the case. Like I refuse to settle. And so I think that sometimes we confuse flexibility with this notion of, oh, I'm settling. Oh, I'm giving up. Or, oh, I'm, I'm going to allow myself to just be, you know, used and abused and walked all over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think it definitely is like you're saying, like it's a mindset thing and, um, getting ourselves to to this space where where we're not thinking <laughs> in this yeah. in this negative you know this this negative realm anymore yeah you got to look at dating differently and i like i said you have to do the work first so you have mm-hmm. to understand your boundaries you know what's your boundaries what does if you choose to date with purpose what does that look like for you you know what does that mean to you um set up your own rules but then in that explore, you know, be like, I get to get out here and meet new people. Because the thing is, if you set up your boundaries, then people, and you stick to them, people are not going to be allowed to take advantage of you. That's true. They're not going to be allowed to take advantage of you because you have that in place and you communicate that with them. So then you get a chance to just enjoy them. And dating is nothing but data collecting. I can't, Mm. I'm not trying to marry you tomorrow. I'm collecting data. We both are. Just as much as you have to choose me, I have to choose you. And the only way you understand that, if you understand yourself first Mm -hmm. and what you're looking for. So I think that confidence has to exude. But where does confidence come from? When you research, when you understand what you're getting into, when you, you know, when you completely understand that space that you're in, then you can begin to exude that level of confidence and you can en- actually enjoy it. Like every guy you go out on a date with is not going to be your husband. You don't want yeah. them to. <laughs> yeah. So find the fun things out about that person. It doesn't mean you can't learn and grow from that individual either. So it, like you said, it's a shift in that mindset. It's perception about mm-hmm. what we look at when it comes to dating and um, when we put ourselves out there. Like it's a journey. Enjoy the journey. Yeah, I think a lot of us are just, we just, and I think that's where having, you know, a relationship coach, um, you know, gu- guidance counselor, whatever we want to call them comes into place because I think some, you know, we're, a lot of us, since we were little girls, we have been, you know, spoon fed the same rhetoric. We have been taught the same thing, and it's hard to to sometimes step away from what you know. And it's somehow it's sometimes hard to, I guess, reprogram and to think differently. And I think, and I hear that from um, a lot of experts when they talk about relationships and women in particular. That it's this idea that like we're it's, you have to enjoy the process. It's a process. Take, you know, take it easy, take it one day at a time, go with the flow a little bit. Don't make it so rigid where you're, you know, it's always an interview. It's always an interrogation. It's always a fact finding mission and you're not allowing yourself to really, you know, go with the flow. Yeah. But Rita, you said one thing that I agree with is that it's okay to invest in a relationship coach and relationship enthusiast, mm-hmm. your um, therapist. But I wouldn't even say, I think the therapist is helping for the, for the healing of you. So always mm-hmm. definitely invest in the therapist to help with your past healings, but a coach is who's going to help you move forward. Mm-hmm. And just like we can invest in, um, you know, when it comes to our weight loss, we'll invest in that coach to help us get on track. If our finances are messed up, we'll, we'll invest in a financial coach to help us get on track. Why wouldn't we do the same thing for our love life? 
to have someone who's on the outside to, to help you and to encourage you and to give you the resources and tools you need to, to enjoy this process. You don't have to do this alone. There's so many other things in life that we don't do in lo- alone and we hire you know, the SMEs for it. Do the same thing for your love life. It's okay. Invest the same type of energy and money into your love life because we're not meant to do these things alone. And I'm happy that you did follow up with that because I, again, I think it's just, it's, it's lack of information, lack of understanding, I think on our parts, because we're, I think a culture that does not necessarily, I don't want to say appreciate, but we're just not used to these different forms of therapies and these different forms of aid. We're just so used to doing everything on our, by ourselves, you know, being strong for ourselves, helping ourselves out. You know, we're not really used to this seeking, seeking help. Um, <laughs> business, right? So, like, I would never think to hire a coach for for my relationship stuff. It's more like, you know, just get your get it together, you know. <laughs> and then that question becomes, what does getting it together look like? What does yeah. that actually even mean? Yeah, and, and we don't like, know. I know what that means, right? So <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, what does what does the TV tell us this week? Right. What's girlfriends telling us? <laughs> what is girlfriends telling us? She, you know, Jane did it, and she didn't. No, no, no. <laughs> amazing coaches out here. I'm telling you, and your mind would just be blown by the t- by the type of information you receive, or the different way to go about this, or just to have an accountability partner. Sometimes your girlfriends are not meant to. They're in the, they want to stop being the sob story. Or, you know, if you're upset with the guy, she, you know, your best friend just wants to be there for you. Well, yeah, girl, that's how you should feel. Yeah, you need to just leave. You know, a coach is on the outside. So they're not gonna ha- they're not gonna have the same emotional attachment as some of your close family and friends will mm-hmm. have. Yeah. You know, they have a different perspective about it um, that can help you to continue to gain clarity and understanding. And that by itself is actually pretty dangerous. As you're mentioning, you know, the girlfriends and the friends who oftentimes serve as, I guess, relationship expert and coaches. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, unfortunately, their lives can be hot messes as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that a lot, of, a lot of us women, we do rely on our friends and family members to be our relationship coaches. But understanding that when we're talking about experts and coaches, these are people who should be receiving some sort of real training, right? (laughs) For what they do. Life experience alone, you know, like just because my girlfriend has had, you know, five different relationships, that doesn't mean she's qualified to be my relationship expert. Yes. 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 You know, I was (laughs) listening to something. um, I forget her name. She's so awesome. I can't believe I forgot her name, but she was talking about the five, people that you need in your life to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Something flowers. I can't remember her first name. I want to give her her credit, but I can't remember her last, her first name. Um, but the, the five people that we need is a cheerleader, mm-hmm. a mentor, a coach, a peer, and a friend. So I'll quickly run through what these people are. So like your cheerleader is the person that's going to cheer you on. Like literally like you go, you got this. I got your back. You go girl, you know, do your podcast, get that done. You're looking so good. That's your cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Then you have your mentor who is supposed to guide you. They're, they're the ones that are where you want to be and they're going to guide you in that direction. They're going to ask you those thought provoking questions to help get you where you need to be. Your coach is going to make you uncomfortable. 
but they're making you uncomfortable because they know you have more to offer. They see potential in you that you can't even see in yourself. So they're going to push you and put you in uncomfortable positions to make you level up. Then you have your peer, which is different from a friend. So a peer is someone that may be in the same um, realm as you as it pertains to um, like your business. So mm-hmm. you might have your podcast girlfriend. Like you guys can talk all thing podcasts. Like, girl, I know. Do you remember the da 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 da? You know, I'm using this site and I'm using this. This is work well. That's your peer. And your friend is literally that the one you can, you know, sit on your porch with, with a glass of wine and just tell your deepest, darkest secrets to, if you want mm-hmm. to. And I'll add on the therapist. So I'll say you need six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the therapist is going to give you that to me, that, that healing that a lot of us don't have from past traumas. So mm-hmm. Shawnee L is adding a six one to those, yes. <laughs> those five people <laughs> to make you happy. So I, you know, when I heard that, I, it stuck with me and I'm like, you really do need someone in each one of those genres to kind of make your complete circle because one person will not be all of that to you. And i.e. neither will your, your future spouse, believe me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but we have this expectation. It's that unrealistic expectation that the spouse will become, you know, your relationship coach and therapist and that your friends and your family are your relationship coaches and therapists. Um, but it's just a false, it's, it's just a false narrative and it's a, it's a, it's a false expectation. I think, um, sometimes I feel like it's necessary to have that third party neutral Mm-hmm. Yes, because yes. that they can, you know, because your friends might know about your situations. And so they might be a little biased in giving their uh, relationship expertise, quote unquote. But a third party neutral who doesn't actually know really, you know, the, the characters, right? The cast um, can look at the situation or can hear what you're saying and say, you know what, this is what I get from all of this and give you quality, you know, because sometimes we, we look to people who can side with us as opposed to people who can give us like, you know, real constructive criticism. Like Rita, I see what you're talking about here. However, I think you approached it wrong. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And sometimes the closest people to you, you don't want to hear it from actually, and you can't receive it either. Sometimes we get on the defense when the people that's closest to us give us some criticism, whether constructive or not. Um, and we usually receive it well from somebody that is a third party. Yeah. <laughs> so now, Shani, I know you've also done your fair share of writing. You are an author. And yeah. I wanted to talk about a Amazon best-selling book that you <laughs> co-authored. You know, you got to throw that out there. <laughs> Called Dear Fear. What was yes. that about? Yes. So Dear Fear, 18 Lessons on Living on the Other Side of Fear. Uh, that was released in 2018. The, um, the uh, what did she call herself? The, oh gosh, I just forgot what she called herself. But Tiana Patrice is the visionary author of this mm-hmm. book. And there were 20 co-authors to the book telling their stories about something that they feared and how they got over it or how they overcame that fear. Because uh, so many of us live with that and we're just, we don't have the coping mechanisms or the tools to figure out how to get through this fearful space in our life. Um, so my chapter was Dear Fear, You Cannot Have My Truth. Um, and that was my journey of brokenness as a single woman. 
um, and the many mishaps that I went through on that journey and how in my last relationship in 2013, it dusted me. Like it took me completely out. And at that point I was done. I was done doing relationships as I had been basically since I was 14 years old when I was Mm -hmm. able to date. Um, so that was a long journey and it took until I was about 27 years old to really, to really have that, that fall. Um, and so I, started to change my mindset and I really gave myself and my relationships over to God. I started to um, follow new people. I started to look at information differently. Um, I started to follow people who were really dating with purpose. So I committed myself to um, celibacy. I actually don't like calling it celibacy. <clears throat> um, I rather call it, um, um, oh, girl, I'm completely breaking black, black and out. Um, yeah, it's the so. day I'm telling you. Sundays yeah. are so. <laughs> Let's just call it celibacy right now. Um, so I committed myself to celibacy because I was tired of giving myself to people who didn't deserve it. And mm-hmm. I was tired of being blindsided and being having smoky mirrors because of good sex, but not yeah. good relationships. Um, so I needed to put myself through a purity stage where I needed to clear my mind, clear my soul. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I did that. Um, and then I took on the concept of dating with purpose. And what that means to me is the intent of dating the is dating with the intent of marriage with godly principles and mm-hmm. godly principles are like, you know, what God doesn't talk about dating in the Bible, but he talks about love and he talks about the way that we should be behaving as people. So like me just gaining wisdom and understanding discernment, um, me walking in love. And so, you know, being gentle when it came to even my dating space or me setting up boundaries that I knew would protect me. And a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of men were not down for that concept at all. Mm -hmm. They were confused. They were like, what is this? What are you doing? Nobody's going to deal with this. I'm not dealing with this. So there was a lot of rejection in that space. Um, And I'm not, you know, I'll never say that the journey of transition is easy. There were a lot of crying nights. There were a lot of lonely nights, um, but it was all worth it in the end because I became a stronger woman. I became more confident. And that rejection from those men just became my protection because those Mm -hmm. weren't the men that I needed to be with. Um, And so I I went through that journey for about a good two years until I met my husband in 2015, who actually gave me a yes. You know, by 2015, two years into it, I was strong in my approach when it came to what I wanted and what I did not want. Um, And so um, I tell that story in the Dear Fear book about my journey, about coming from the brokenness then going through my transition or incubation period, actually my husband would call it. Um, and then what it looked like to date someone with purpose, mm-hmm. what it looked like to sustain, um, abstain. Abstinence is the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to come out. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I don't say celibacy anymore because celibacy is literally committing yourself to not ever having sex. And that is not the life I'm trying to live. Um, <laughs> but abstinence is, you know, abstaining from it for a certain amount of time. So um, he was he was very intrigued by that concept. Um, so he gave me a yes. And we went through that journey together. No, we were not perfect. So I'm not going to act like we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were celibate for about six months then we broke it and it broke because 
we still didn't have enough boundaries in place that we didn't realize. Like, yeah. you can't be staying the night at people's house and laying up under each other thinking, yeah. that, you know, that's <laughs> you're, you're not that strong. That, you ain't that strong. So, you know, we broke it, 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 we broke it in that moment, but we got back on track and we were celibate for a year and a half before we got married. So mm-hmm. even if you fall off, you can always get back on. It just matters what's important to you and why it's important to you. Um, so I talk about that in my Dear Fear book. And what I found is when I tell my story, it resonated with so many women. I just wanted to tell my story. I just wanted people um, to really be impacted by it. But I realized mm-hmm. the impact was so great that I couldn't leave it on the table. I just couldn't. Too many women came to me to say, I've been there. I am there. What can I do? Can you help me? You know, and I got a lot of, I had a whole lot of dinner dates with a lot of great women mm-hmm. having this conversation. So that is where the power of the P concept um, was birthed, was through okay. that journey. Wow. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm rewatching all of the episodes of The Girlfriends, um, because, you know, courtesy of Netflix. Yes. And <laughs> I recall <laughs> just, I think just yesterday, actually, or two days ago, I was watching the episode where the character Lynn, um, yes. played by Persia White, had engaged in, 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 a, in a relationship with this gentleman who was celibate for, it looks like, I mean, it sounds like he was celibate for like a decade even. <laughs> yeah. And how, you know, how she was dealing with that and, 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 and the boundaries that he set to yeah. ensure that his lifestyle, you know, remained intact. Um, and it was just interesting just to now, you know, years later, um, looking back at that episode and just seeing how, um, you know, this, this principle in a sense is still being, being, I guess, thrown out there, but that Mm -hmm. the reason that a lot of people do fail in that journey is because of the lack of boundaries that they put together. This, you know, you can't move in with the person if you're saying that you are, you know, wanting to live this life. (laughs) No, it's not going to work. It's just not. We're human. And if you're attracted to that person, which you should be, those hormones going to be bouncing. Nobody said, you know, it, sh- it shuts down downstairs. Nobody yeah. said that. So <laughs> you just have to put the boundaries on that to, to keep yourself together until you both are ready. And I'm an advocate um, for definitely waiting to marriage. But if you can't set your goals, I don't care if you say, you know, I really want to wait a strong six months because I want us to genuinely get to know each other for us. When mm-hmm. we go through problems and we have an argument, I don't want to have makeup sex to throw that under the rug. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't want to be set up in that manner. I don't want to have these early soul ties if I don't know if I want to be with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, only you can determine what that looks like. But I think it's important to, to, to definitely put it in play. Yeah, sure. definitely agreed. Oh man. And so it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of different things. Yeah. But like you said, it's this idea of dating with purpose, dating with intention that I think now we're hearing much more about. Um, I had a guest on one of my platforms talk exactly about that dating with intention. In fact, I even bought her book, um, dating, um, with, you know, intentions and, or dating with a purpose. And, 
I think a lot of women are now starting to kind of understand what this concept is. You know, I don't know if it's because we're, you know, if we're a certain age, I mean, I'm 36. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and now I'm like, huh, I can look back now and see though, when I was dating, I didn't have a purpose and I didn't have a purpose because I wasn't sure what I actually wanted. Like I was never a person who was uh, big on marriage. Okay. And so I'm like, well, if I'm dating and I don't really want to get married, so it's like, I guess I'm just going to date because I don't really have an end goal here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you know what? It's so interesting. You brought that up. I just did a a, a retreat called by Dr. Michelle, who's also a relationship coach. She's actually my mentor. And she did a self-vows retreat on Friday with a group of women. And I was a speaker there. And that was one of the questions. How do I date if I don't, how do I date with, can I date with purpose if I don't want to be married? Mm -hmm. And I still, and although that's what I teach overall, I still feel like you can have a purpose in your dating life, however you want it, but only you can define that. You define why don't you want to be married? Or is it just right now that you want to? Am I looking for a life partner? Am I looking for someone just to have a great time with? And even if that's the case, what boundaries am I setting in place to still protect me? What boundaries am I setting in place if, if it changes? What if my heart changes or their heart changes? How do we adjust? What's my communication style have to be? So I think regardless of what women decide to do when it comes to their dating space, you still need to be clear on what you want and how you're going to go about it. Mm-hmm. Because if you just allow yourself to be free, it's just, it's going to happen. You're going to continue to get hurt and your heart broken. You have to learn how to protect it. However that looks for you, you have to learn how to protect it. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. And, you know, although I've gotten to a a better space, different space um, with respect to how I want to move forward in life, I think that that's very important because I do encounter women who really just don't, they're like, I don't know if this marriage thing is for me. And so Mm -hmm. then they come to a point of confusion then as to, well, how does dating look like if you don't want to get married? Yeah. 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 I think that's really, yeah. (laughs) Really good though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different, different ones out here. We're figuring it out. (laughs) (laughs) Each and every day is a new, you know, new journey. COVID-19 has taught us that we are resilient and we are going to figure it out. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There is hope for us. For, for yes. our category of women, there are hope. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so now, Shani, I want to now move on to, um, I guess, another phase of your life. Uh, another, well, not really phase, but another aspect of your life: the HBCU aspect. Yes. And yes. so I know that you're on this riding train, and you, you know, recently finished an- yet another project with the HBCU experience. And this was a second addition to the North Carolina A&T University, um, I think, anthology or collective. Yes, Aggie Pride, Aggie yes. Pride. <laughs> <laughs> and every every one of you that I've spoken to has all given me this shout out. <laughs> it's in our blood. It's in our blood. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So you are a proud graduate of North Carolina A&T, and I just kind of want to know, how did you go about choosing an HBCU, and how did you go about choosing North Carolina A&T? Absolutely. So most of my life, I grew up, um, I went to predominantly white school. I did Mm -hmm. all of my life up into college, and 
I knew that I wanted a different experience. Again, I had someone in my life. It's so great to have people in your life that push you Mm -hmm. um, and that helps push you into your next purpose. And that was my best friend, uh, Jaren, that I went to high school with. And she was just like, girl, we're getting out of here because we're originally from Buffalo, New York. Mm -hmm. Um, So we used to go to the library, literally, you know, the the kids nowadays don't understand that. They can Google everything. We had to get in the car, have our parents drop us off at the library to find the things we needed. And at the library, they had all those big books that talks about all the different schools. Mm -hmm. And we knew we just wanted to be around our people. We wanted an opportunity to dive into our culture with like-minded individuals who aspired to be great, who were business people, who um, wanted to do something bigger for themselves. Um, So we were just intrigued by it. So we applied to all of them. We applied to Southern Alabama A&M, Howard University, Hampton. We applied to all of them. Uh, North Carolina Central State University, and of course, A&T. We went on a tour. We actually chose Central, went to Central, and hated it. We end up seeing (laughs) A&T first, and we're like, this is so amazing. This is where we want to be. Went to Central and already had our dorm set up, all of it. Got to campus and literally hated everything about the university. Sorry, Central. But and we boo who cried like we don't want to be here. This is not it. Blah blah blah. And so um, we had to. Uh, I had to end up being one of the ones to reapply um, so we could get into A and T. Something else that we wanted to make sure was that we could have cars as freshmen because we were hot and we wanted our cars <laughs> and and, <laughs> um, and we wanted somewhere where we didn't have a curfew and A&T met both of those. So, um, so Howard was off the list because they were private school and they met curfews and we're like, no, we don't want any of that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as, as an 18 year old, those were some of the things that were important to us, but all in all, when we got on campus, it literally felt like home. It just felt like home. Um, so that's where we ended up and it was such an amazing experience. I'll never ever change it. And I don't regret it whatsoever being exposed to so many dope dripping and magic black people (laughs) in one space was just, I don't think there's words to explain it. It's just something you have to experience. Okay. (laughs) And so so (laughs) your chapter in the book is everybody has a chapter and I don't want you to tell me too much because we do want people to go out and buy this book. Absolutely. Um, But if you could just give us a little snippet of your chapter, just so we can have a little feel. Yeah. So it's called the X factor. And again, so much of my life has been um, centered around relationships, whether Mm -hmm. that's relationships with the opposite sex or relationship with friends. But specifically um, in this chapter, I'm talking about two significant relationships with the opposite sex that impacted my journey. Um, A lot of people I'm assuming, and from the last book talk a lot about, of course, um, their overall journey, the organizations that they were a part of, Mm -hmm. um, how ANC shaped them into the jobs that they have today and things to that nature. But I wanted to focus on my relationships and because I thought it made sense since I'm a relationship enthusiast mm-hmm. and a played a big part in me becoming that. Um, those two relationships impacted my life um, and impacted my journey uh, to desiring to help women and young women at that time. And even now um, to, 
to have a different idea about how to go about dating, even in college. So I made a decision and it was important for me to be a part of this HBCU experience, not only so I can give back to the HBCU, but because I wanted to impact the young women that are on campus today. If you read my chapter, I wanted them to be moved by changing their mindset about how they can go about dating on campus. And so it wouldn't impact them in such a negative way. And I say that because I feel like there were in, in these, I was taking on something very heavy at such a young age that my young mind really couldn't understand the way that it needed to. So instead of having food fights in the cafeteria, instead of the crazy late nights in the library with friends and meeting all these different groups of people. Now, don't get me wrong. I absolutely was involved. I did my part. Um, but there were a lot of nights that I was having crying nights that I was, you know, um, dealing with uh, mental and emotional abuse from relationships that I simply should not probably have been in at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't want to see um, these young women continue to go through some of the things that I went through. So if I can give a little bit of my story and my truth in that, um, that was my ultimate goal. And that's so powerful because I think that when we're talking about college, we focus on everything else, but that relationship aspect, right? And I think especially for young women who are leaving home for the first time, um, and are finding themselves, you know, on campus and just being surrounded by so many options. So, you know, so many different types of people, just again, a, a, like a, a world away from home. Yeah. Um, it's really, really, I mean, I feel like what you're doing, um, in this chapter is just so necessary because I mean, I remember when I left home to go live on campus and I mean, I was not somebody who dated in high school at all. Like I was not really, I don't say I wasn't interested. It was just my life just didn't turn out that way. I was really right. into volunteering and books. And also my mom <laughs> was like, you know, laid it down. Like, yes. you know, you can't, you can't date. Yes. Period. <laughs> Period. Period. And, and that's it. <laughs> no, nothing else to talk about here. Yes. And so now you're away with all of these liberties and you're not really sure what to do. You're, you're, you are naive. Cause sometimes we like to think that, Oh, we know what we're doing. We're not naive. Mm-hmm. And you have these upperclassmen who are preying on you and you're mm-hmm. thinking, Oh, they just invited me to come study. This is so nice. Like, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> and it's like, no, this is yeah. not what they wanted you for. <laughs> like, listen here, freshman. Why do you think a senior wants to study with you? Exactly. And we were so excited and they were so attractive mm-hmm. and so swaggy and all of that. And they had cars and homes. Because mm-hmm. freshman year, most of us were living on campus. But yeah. you're talking to a senior, they have their own apartments. And exactly. you're like, oh, I'm grown. I'm grown, grown yeah. now. <laughs> and you're not even thinking about doing anything. Like, you're not even thinking about sex. You're just like, wow, like, I'm in this person's presence. We can play a board game. We can do this. And they're just like, silly, silly rabbit. <laughs> so I, I think that, I mean, I, I haven't seen your chapter, but just by what you're explaining, I'm just like, this is so necessary because <laughs> it's, I mean, the struggle is real. I was fortunate, you know, to not have to go and, and witness and be victim to a lot of things, but I've seen 
yeah. my friends um, get caught up in some situations that it wasn't because they were a hoe, they weren't fast, mm-hmm. nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But it was just not knowing and being so naive and so mm-hmm. trusting and so, you know, you know, vulnerable, um, you know, to just the situation. And so I think that this is going to help a lot of young women. Well, thank you. My hope is that through this, I can actually go back and set up a few programs because like you stated, and I love what you said, we talk about everything else getting into college and while we're there, but not the relationships. So Mm -hmm. it would be such an honor. Again, I am manifesting for the second time on your show for (laughs) me to create, you know, some type of program, something um, where we do have a chance to focus on relationships and really set out um, some of those principles to the young men and women mm-hmm. and maybe plant seeds at yeah. minimum. Let's start planting the seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of miracles happen on this show. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been I ordained. Receive- it's been ordained and washed in the blood. <laughs> I receive it. <laughs> That's so good. Oh man. So Shani, if you can just tell us where can we find this amazing book that's coming out, the HBCU experience, North Carolina A&T University second edition. Yes. So um, it will be dropping, if I'm not mistaken, this week, it's going to be dropping and it will be on Amazon. Um, but you also can get them from uh, um, the author themselves. So if Ooh. anyone wants to follow me, of course, you can you can follow me. I'm at Shawnee L Relationship Enthusiast on Instagram. And I'm at Shawnee L Farmer on Facebook. Do people still do Facebook? I'm still on Facebook. Yeah, I'm still on Facebook. I know the, <laughs> I know the children are on the TikToks and the Snapchat. Yeah, I don't have all of that stuff. So Instagram is as fresh as I'm getting. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so you can find me there and you can always reach out to me um and get your personally signed copy from me of course um and if you don't mind uh i would like to mention the book club yes that i actually have so for the for the women um who are interested in one the power of the p style program and that's us taking care of your healing and if you are looking to um date with purpose and for the biz and you want to learn the business of dating for marriage i have a premium book club this is not your auntie's book club where we're just sipping wine and giggling <laughs> this is very intentional <laughs> <laughs> not the auntie's book club <laughs> book club you know auntie and them got big drinks with their girl and talking smack but no 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 this is very intentional um you know we'll we'll be having guest authors come in. We're going to have subject matter experts come in in the areas that are important to us. We'll be discussing books on relationships, your prayer life, um, on purpose, on finance, on your health. There's just, and then there's going to, of course, there's women in this book club that are like-minded and that's on the same journey that you are. So you won't be alone. These are your peers. Um, and of course I'm in it. We have bi-weekly Zoom calls where we come on and we not just discuss the book, but it's really like a little personal therapy session. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at it more than just a book club. It's it's group coaching at its best. So you'll get a sense of how I operate um, and the transformations that can happen for you. So if this is something you are interested in, again, reach out to me at Shawnee L Relationship Enthusiast, or you can email me at Shawnee L Farmer. Um, at gmail.com, shawneelfarmer at gmail.com for more information. All right. 
Well, thank you so much, Chani, for being on this show. I think it was so informational, but just, you know, inspirational as well, too. I love having inspirational people on our platforms because I I think that with the work that you're doing, just, you know, personally, professionally, and now this like kind of community service, as I like to call them, um, projects, giving back to the schools, giving back to the community, um, it's, I think it's just inspiring to see that, yes, we're professional women. We have a million other things to do, but we can still give back. We can still, you know, be, be impactful for, for the future generations. And I, I, I always love to see that. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. I have enjoyed this conversation with you and I've enjoyed what you fed into this conversation as well. It's, it's been easy. And I love when things (laughs) naturally flow. So you definitely provide an environment for that. So thank you for it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And so everyone, well, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Frida's World. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host. And I will talk to you guys next week. It's Frida's world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world.